I'll tell you what, I am glad to be here. Are you glad to be here? Yeah. It's always good to worship God together, but there's a special, special, you know, event we've been planning for months. And of course, you know, it's Fall Fest. And we just want to invite you outside for a great Texas barbecue. We brought Texas to California. So um, it's going to be great and just a lot of great things for the kids. And just we really want you to hang out. That's the main thing is kind of connecting together a little bit in the OC where life is always moving so fast. It's good to slow down and, hey, how you doing? Good to meet you. We got some new folks here today. I just want to say if you're a guest today with us, uh, first time, we're really glad you're here. And more than anything else, man, we just want so much for you to meet God in a powerful, powerful way. Well, today's message um, is on a better story. And I'm so glad that God writes a better story than what we could write. Amen? Amen. My wife has been recently uh, looking at all the photos of our lives together with the kids when they were little and everything. And see, she's been... um, putting a collage together of all these pictures in these frames. I came home one day, and uh, there must have been, I don't know, 50, 60 um, frames. I said, what are you doing? She said, well, I'm going to put all the family together. We're going to put them in every room. I said, yeah, but where'd you get the frames? Like, how much do they cost? I said, don't worry, it's Amazon. No big deal. So on one wall, when you walk into our family room, it has our wedding pictures with the invitation, and then it has Michael's wedding with the invitation, and then Jonathan's wedding pictures with the invitation. And I got to thinking about, because today we're going to be going to a wedding celebration in John chapter 2. You ready? Weddings are fun, right? Well, for the most part, (laughs) weddings are fun. Everybody's pretty much excited when you go to a wedding, a celebration. But as you know, things can sometimes happen. Things can go wrong at weddings. And um, I have done, you know, a few, officiated a few weddings. Pastor Zach, Pastor Scott, all of our pastors here have done weddings before. And sometimes, you know, you plan for the best and you prepare for the worst a little bit on on weddings. Because you just never know something's going to happen. Can I tell you just a couple of quick things that happened to me on weddings that went wrong and it was incredibly embarrassing. So there was, this was, must have been about 15 years ago. Some folks here at NVCC said, Pastor Mike, we're going to get married. And they have this look in their eye like, life is going to be so wonderful. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do your wedding. It'll be fun. Let's do some premarital counseling. And then so where's your wedding? It's out in Fallbrook. So it's okay. We're going to go to Fallbrook to do this wedding. So we went out there um, for the wedding rehearsal and everything got set up. And it was beautiful. It was on this um, green, huge grass area with this big gazebo. And they had this pond. I don't know if I shared this with you, but this huge pond. I did not realize at the wedding rehearsal, which was on Friday, that the wedding was on Saturday. They were going to have their two golden retrievers in the wedding. Thanks for telling me. So um, the wedding begins, and I see these two golden retrievers, and they are like groomed out to the max, man. They look like they had 10 baths. They got bows in their hair. I mean, they probably took more time taking care of these dogs than the, than the uh, wedding party did. So anyway, they walk down the aisle with the, groom, uh, the, the bridesmaids and stuff, and the two dogs are sitting there in this wedding. And I'm trying to like not like, why are the dogs here? I'm trying to be cool about it. Right behind us, there was a pond, and I heard some... There was uh, some ducks that flew into the pond, and as soon as those golden retrievers, man, they are retrievers. They went for that... They jumped in the pond, got all wet, came back, and you know how they do that shaking thing, the dogs? It was incredibly embarrassing, very disappointing. 
oh, this one other one was at Disneyland. I was so excited because Disneyland is one of my wife and I, Laura, her name's Laura, our favorite places. Pastor Mike, will you do our wedding? We're getting married at Disneyland. Yes, of course. So um, they had this at the Disneyland Hotel. They had, she came, she came up in a huge Cinderella carriage ball thing with these literally horses. He's like got a white tux on. Everybody's in white. His wedding party, white, 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 white. Didn't see anything but white there. So we're getting ready to start the ceremony and everybody's set up. Everybody looks so nice. And uh, all of a sudden, as I'm ready to start, as the music is playing, these doves, they did this dove fly thing, right? And the doves flew over and I don't know how else to be. Yeah, splashed all over the groom. And he got these like, it was incredibly embarrassing. I don't think he cared because all he was thinking about, man, I just want to get through the wedding. I want to go to the honeymoon, everything. <laughs> weddings, weddings are fun and weddings are exciting. Everybody's celebrating a good time. I, I, wish, um, I wish that I could say to the wedding party before the wedding starts, I want to look at him and say, now this is the best you're ever going to look. <laughs> and we're going to sign a wedding license here in just a moment. This wouldn't be appropriate to say in a wedding, but I wish I could just say it. We're going to sign a wedding license here when we're all done with the vows and everything. And I wish it could be like, you know, a cell phone contract. You can't get out of this thing. You can't get out of this thing. That, till death do us part. Amen? Yeah. I want to tell you about um, another embarrassing moment at a celebration that was supposed to happen in 2017. Some of you might remember this documentary that was on um, Netflix. It was incredibly um, full of tension. It was full of conflict. I had difficulty getting through it because of the way the story was told. A guy named Billy McFarlane was going to throw this huge party, this huge um, called Fire Festival. It was supposed to be the concert of concerts. Um, in 48 hours, it was in the Bahamas. In 48 hours, they sold every single ticket out. Packages went from 500, this was the first round, 500 bucks to 1500 bucks. Some of them went to $2,500. And these are all millennials who are going to this thing. And the luxury packages were $12,000. Some of them were even $250,000 to spend three days at this fire festival with all these incredibly um, talented uh, uh, musicians. And so here's just a picture of what this thing looked like. It was supposed to be on this island in the Bahamas. Blink-182, I was supposed to be there. Um, Major laser disclosure. I mean, these are some big names. And so uh, Billy, unfortunately, did not deliver what was promised at this anticipation. This is what, when the guests got to this place, this is what they found. It was supposed to be luxury accommodations. Can you imagine survival tents as all these young kids are, are getting off the plane and they're making their way in these golf carts. And this is what they drove up to. They were supposed to have five-star chefs, incredible gourmet meals. This is what the meals were like. Can you imagine? The festival never happened. Everybody backed out of it. And what they found through all the uncovering of all the evidence, Billy McFarland spent seven years in jail because of the fraud and everything that he had lied about. Now, the reason I bring this up is this is a major, can you imagine, Spending your time, all your money, and this is what you found. Major disappointment. Major embarrassment. When I was thinking about that story on Billy McFarland's mom, can you imagine his mother, what she must have thought? Embarrassing that he would do that. Well, Jesus has a better story. 
I want to take you to another celebration, another wedding. You want to go? All right. In in the biblical days, we're going to look at John chapter 2 in just a second. But in biblical days, they had these little villages. And this particular village called Cana of Galilee, which was on the beauty of the shoreline, the small villages maybe had maybe two, three hundred people. Everybody kind of knew everybody. Everybody had things in common. Everybody was just a little slower pace of life. Reminds me of um, my wife when she, uh, we met, I was learning about her, and she said, oh, yeah, I um, spent time uh, um, living on a farm. I said, where? Nebraska. And I said, well, what's in Nebraska? She says, nothing. <laughs> That's what makes it so beautiful. And so um, this was kind of like that, these small villages where everybody just kind of took care of everybody. There was a very close-knit relationship between all these people. So a wedding festival is taking place. We don't know who exactly this wedding is for, but it's recorded in John chapter 2, which we'll read in a second. I just want you to see with me that Jesus was invited with his 12 friends, his followers. They were actually invited to come to the wedding. Now, the reason I just, I, I want to stop here and say that this is a prominent thing is Jesus was invited to the party. Jesus liked being around people. Jesus loved being around the common people. He loved being down in the streets with everybody. Jesus did not wait up in some high religious tower and say, well, everybody come up here to me. He came down from heaven to earth, the Christmas story, which in a couple months we're going to be celebrating this most incredible act of God that Jesus was born into our world. And he came here, lived 33 years, and he walked among the common people for three years with 12 men who said, I'm following him. There's something about him that I believe is real, that's authentic, and he must be from heaven. He must be from God. And so all of that is taking place. I want you to see with me, everybody's having a great time. The music is playing. Now, the other really cool thing about weddings in biblical days, the weddings lasted an entire week. Some cultures do that even today. They last a little bit longer. Here in the OC, when we have weddings, they're probably about three or four hours of the reception, and everybody goes home. Not back in that day. They would come back the next day and party again. More food and more wine and more festivities. They would just go on and on and on. This is the really cool thing. I know that um, some of you young married, some have just recently been married. Um, The honeymoon lasted an entire year. And all the people said, wouldn't that be great? And they planned for that. They planned for that. That That was a major deal. Jesus is there. Everything seems to be going along fine. And then something happens, which could be a major embarrassment. We're talking like a Billy McFarland moment. They ran out of wine. Now, in our culture, no big deal. We'll just go down to CVS, we'll get more. In that day, there was no CVS. There's no running down and getting more. When you ran out, you ran out. And this was a major major thing to run out of wine it just didn't happen and so uh, what i love about this is this is starting to unfold that mary and the disciples are there jesus and far as we know he has not uh, performed any miracles yet this is his beginning days of his uh, three-year ministry so in this moment somebody reports to the wedding coordinator anybody um Recently been to a wedding where the wedding coordinator, these people are on it. They have a clipboard or they have an iPad. They are on everything and they're constantly checking. So that's kind of what this was like. And so someone whispered over to the wedding coordinator, 
They're running out of wine. Mary, who's standing next to this conversation, which I believe, as I've been just looking at this text, which we'll read in just a second, this was not something that everybody knew yet. I think this is something that just a very few people knew that was happening. So Mary looks over at Jesus and she asked Jesus. Right? Because she knows who he is. You there with me? Let's now read this together and we'll just let it unfold. I believe God has a better story here. The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. So the wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Notice she didn't tell Jesus what to do. She just informed him. We got a problem here. Dear woman, that's not our problem. Jesus replied, by the way, (laughs) if you're married... Uh, guys, this is not a good way to respond to your wife. Dear woman, this is not my problem. But um, in the context here, I know it sounds a little harsh, but that's, I don't believe Jesus was saying it that way. That's not the way he meant it to, to be intended. Jesus replied, my time, what he's explaining is my time has not yet come, which we'll get to in a second. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washings. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. And when the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies, the wedding coordinator. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. Host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Canaan Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed. Most powerful verse in all this, his disciples believed in him. Mary didn't tell Jesus what to do. She didn't even come up with a plan, but she knew someone. I, I, I love this, the way it unfolds, because really what it does is it reveals everything about Jesus. It's really not about the water to wine, although that's really cool. That's really not the focus of this. The focus of this is who is Jesus? Who is this Galilean carpenter that came out of nowhere, out of Nazareth, that, that no one would ever think anything good could come out of Nazareth? Yet Jesus comes forth, and in this first year of He's gathering these 12 fishermen and tax collectors, these guys who couldn't put anything together right, and he takes a bunch of guys like that and he molds them into a force that changes human history. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God in flesh. And when he asks, my time has not yet come, really what he's saying is, it's not time yet for me to reveal to everyone who I am Really what he was referring to is his crucifixion that one day would be his most glorious moment because that is when we, you and I, get saved. This is the first of seven signs that Jesus did 
throughout the book of John. It's really interesting to me. In John chapter 4, Jesus healed an official son. You might remember that. In John 5, Jesus healed a paraplegic person. John 6, he fed 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Would have been awesome to be there at that moment. John chapter 6, again, Jesus walks on water. John chapter 9, Jesus heals a blind man. And then in John chapter 11, Jesus raises Lazarus, who had been dead for four days. Jesus raises him from the dead. I love it. These three things that we take out of this text is that Jesus loved, Jesus loved where the people were. Jesus loved where the people were. I guess that's so, it's so different than how we view religion or um, any kind of religious gathering is that we think that God is someone that we cannot relate to, but he is. It is amazing to me how God understands and he knows everything we walk through. Jesus knows everything about us. And yet he doesn't just love us, he likes us. See, I understand God theologically has to love me because he said that. But it's much different when we come to grips with in our heart the fact that Jesus likes us. He likes to be around us. He wants us to be around him. He wants 24-7 to be in us and us in him. He wants to be completely surrounded or us be surrounded by his presence. The second thing I love about this is with Jesus, there is no full row. What's full row? Fear of running out, right? There's FOMO. I like full row better because I remember in my life when I felt like I was running out and I was running out fast of purpose, direction, fulfillment. I couldn't find my purpose in life. I didn't know really what it was. I was just kind of straggling along, trying to figure it out on my own. And that is the worst place to be. I was so lost. I was so in a place of darkness. Yet Jesus knew everything. Jesus cares about the littlest things in our life, doesn't he? He cares about the smallest of things, even when we feel like we're running out. So I have a question just for all of us. What do you feel like you're running out of? Is it peace? Maybe it's money. Maybe it's some good ideas for business. Maybe it's patience. Love in a relationship. We feel like we might, we might really be running out of something. And I believe that we're all running out of at least one thing, and that's time, isn't it? Time is slowly ticking away. We want to make the most of our time. We want to make the most of what God has given us. But with Jesus, there is no full road. There is no running out because he's the source of everything. I just want you to see these six stone water jars. If we put them all together, they'd be about 300 gallons. That is a lot of water. That is a lot of wine. And the guests, as I mentioned, I believe, really didn't know what was going on. This is what I love about God. Jesus saves the moment. He saves a moment of embarrassment for the parents, for the groom, for the bride, for the entire village, the entire group of people that were there. Jesus has a heart and he has a compassion. I don't want to allow this to happen. Even though this really isn't my time to reveal who I am, I'm just here to enjoy everybody, to get to know everyone. And yet Jesus sees so beyond the moment. 
that's what I love about God. He's so in tune with the moment, isn't he? Jesus can be on his way with his disciples to Jerusalem on a very important appointment. We we read um, a couple of weeks ago about Jesus was on his way to heal an official son. And he stops along the way for a blind man. And there's a woman on the way where Jesus is going who touches the hem of his garment to be healed. So I love about Jesus. He stops for the most dire of situations. I don't know about you, but there's moments in my life. And I've been trying to follow, you know, Jesus the best I can for the last 37 years. And there are still some moments, kind of embarrassed to say this. There are still moments that I feel like, God, where are you? What are you doing? I don't think, I don't doubt God's existence. I don't doubt Father, Son, Holy Spirit or doubt Christianity or doubt the word of God. But sometimes I sure have doubts about God. What are you allowing? What are you doing? God is not intimidated by that. He wants us to pour our heart out to him. He wants us to be very real with him. That's what I love about Jesus. He's so real. He's so authentic. That's why thousands of people, I believe, would flock to Jesus. Because he was, so, he was just so real and authentic with everyone. He, he would, he would um, mix himself with the common people of the day. He would listen to the problems of people who had family issues and marriage problems. And my child is sick. This person's demon possessed. We got this business issue. We can't seem to put things together. Jesus, can you help us? I love that God gives us help. He cares about the smallest of things. And he's willing to stop at whatever the cost is. I think Jesus, without the shadow of a doubt, why were there so many people that were around him and wanted to be with him and wanted even to follow him? Do you remember the man that Jesus healed from that demon-possessed moment in the graveyard? We looked at that in Mark chapter 5 about a month ago. And Jesus heals and touches the man, pulls all the demons out. And the last scene that we see as Jesus is pushing off the shore his boat with the 12 disciples to go back to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, the man reaches out and says, I want to go with you. He wanted to leave everything behind and follow this man from Galilee who had saved him, delivered him. I guess guess where we need to be as a church is not just religious or we put our time in for God, but how desperate are you for God? How desperate are you to say, Lord, I will go with you. How desperate are you to say, I will follow whatever instructions you have, God, whatever it takes. I just want to be with you. I got a buddy of mine who, who lives out of state and we've, as you know, just... Thank you so much for your prayers and your love and your concern. My wife is walking through um, cancer right now. And I t- there are moments that I just pick up the phone and I call him on my cell and I ask him, could you just pray? I don't even tell him what's going on. I just say, could you pray? It is amazing how the Holy Spirit knows everything that's going on. And he will start praying stuff that I just needed to be in the presence of another brother where we're just praying to Jesus. And I just let him pray. Because there's sometimes I can't pray. There's sometimes I don't feel like praying. Remember the guy in Mark chapter 2 who was paralyzed? Flat on his back. Jesus is in this small village. He's teaching. There's so many people gathered there. So many people that you couldn't even get into where the home was where Jesus was teaching. People are packed in the front yard, the backyard, peering through windows, even on the roof. And there's a paralyzed man who lives just down, four doors down. And there's four friends who say, I know if we get this guy to Jesus, our friend, if we get him to Jesus, Jesus can heal him. I know it can happen. 
There are sometimes we are flat on our back. And Jesus knows that. And sometimes we need friends, we need brothers, we need sisters who can pick us up on the mat and get us to Jesus. There, I, I am learning in my walk with Jesus to not think that I have to have it all together, have to have every answer, have to have every prayer. There are sometimes I'll ask my friends, I need you to get me to Jesus because I can't get there. Yeah. And that's okay. Those are the most intimate moments that I've found with God when I have some brothers who just rally around and say, we got your back, man. We're not here to judge you at MVCC. That's not what this is about. We're not here to condemn anybody. None of us are perfect. There's nobody in this room, nobody in this room that has it all together. There's nobody here that's better than anybody else. When we believe the gospel, we believe the gospel, that he came for the destitute. He came for those that are in darkness. He came for those that are lost. And weren't we all lost? I think sometimes when we get found by Jesus, we think, oh, well, well, I've always been this way, or I deserve this. So we get so commonplace to the fact that we're a Christian now, we forget of the days that we were lost. And when I remember where I came from, I appreciate so much more moments like this, that Jesus quietly came up behind me in a spiritual way and tapped me on the shoulder and say, Mike, I have a better story for you. If you'll listen to me and if you'll follow my instructions, I have something so much better. But what I love about this account, they're not stories. These aren't Bible stories. These are real life accounts. This really happened. Jesus was at the wedding feast. There were hundreds of people there, I believe. And as the wedding coordinator makes an announcement, I have an announcement for everybody. You guys normally give the best wine at the beginning, but you save the very best for last. Now, lest anybody goes out and says, Pastor Mike says we can all drink wine now. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) The Bible never says you can't drink wine. It says just don't get drunk on wine because bad things can happen. But what Jesus is saying here is, I have the very best for last. Oh man, I need to hear that word today. I need to hear that word. So what are some things that we can do? What are some takeaways? What do we learn from all this? And God, when you said, when Mary said, follow his instructions, God, what do you want me to do? Well, number one is when things go bad, you can go to Jesus. I know that we all know that. And even if those maybe here today are thinking, gosh, I don't really know about this Bible thing. I don't know about Christianity. I'm not really sure about God. But if Jesus is real, he's real. I know that if things get bad, I could probably go to him. We know that. Then why is it that when bad things go bad, I go to people first? (laughs) Right? Why is it that I run to someone on earth rather than running to God first? We can go directly to Jesus. So we're all empty stone water jars, aren't we? We're all empty because of sin, because of wrongdoing, which we've all done. Can we just be big about it? We've all sinned. We've all done something wrong. If I was to list all the 10 commandments and ask, is there anyone here that has followed all 10 commandments? None of us could have followed all the 10 commandments. That's why Jesus came. That's why he came to earth to cover us, to forgive us. Well, you know, I was raised in a religious institution. I went to church as a kid. That's wonderful. That's great. But my question is, have you given your heart to Jesus? Have you said for yourself, I want Christ in my life. I want to invite him into my life. And when things go bad, when things go really bad, we can go directly to Jesus. He created you. He loves you. He knows everything about us. And here's the, here's the thing that's amazing to me. He wants 
intimacy with us. Since the, the second diagnosis of my wife, I will say this, as terrible as it has been and the news has not been what we wanted, it has brought our family, my boys and my wife, so close together. I just thank God for the moments now. I'm thanking God for the day that I have rather than thinking so much about the future. And that's, that's a gift. And Jesus is able to bring those things to us. He loves us, cares about us. He really likes us. On the cross, Jesus forgave all. That means all, everyone. We all can be forgiven. When Jesus died on that cross and he rose again, it was so that we could be saved. John 1.12 says, To all who received him, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We get to step into relationship with him. Not because we're good, not because we've been holy, not because we've done all the right things. It's a simple thing called faith. And saying, Lord, I have my, put my faith in you and I ask you to forgive me of everything that I've ever done. In just a minute, I'm gonna give opportunity for anyone here who wants to do that, to do that. Then secondly is, well, you know what, Mike? I've already done that. I've given my life to Jesus already. And he wants us to follow his instructions. Last week, we had a, a message. Pastor Scott delivered a message. Is it decisions or disciples? Of course, Jesus wants us to make a decision. But he wants us to follow now. I'll tell you, this, this, this war that's going on right now in Israel, in the Middle East, this is a big deal. It's, it's a sad, very sad, very traumatic thing. People have lost their lives, just so much trauma over the last two and a half weeks. But as we studied the word and as we know the word, we know that these things are going to happen. It shouldn't be taking us by surprise. And what this really means is the clock is winding down. I think we are so close. I, it's just my personal opinion that we are so close to the second coming of Jesus and the rapture and all of it. I really believe that. These things are converging all at once. If you see even the forces north of Israel, what's happening, it's all prophesied. This is supposed to happen. It's the way that it was already predicted. And so therefore, we want to be ready. We want to be ready for Jesus' second coming, the rapture. It's going to happen. It's going to be a very real thing. And God wants us to follow his instructions. And so, receiving Jesus now. Receiving Jesus now. Why wait? If that's you today... I'm just going to ask every head is bowed, every eye is closed in this moment. This holy moment. If you're here today and thinking, you know what? I've been running out and I'm not sure where to get filled. I want you to know that Jesus is right here. He can change us from within. He can change that, that cold, lifeless jar into something that's full of life and giving to others. So if that's you today, you want to receive Christ. Here we go. We're going to pray. I just want to ask you to just pray along with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross. And I thank you, God, that you came for me. I want to receive you now into my life. I commit my life to you now, God.
I believe that you not only died, but I believe that you rose again on the third day. Holy Spirit, fill my life. I want you. I receive you. I invite you into my life now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.